0: like I, hold your head up high, till you find the blue bird of happiness, you will find greater peace of mind, knowing there's a blue bird of happiness, and Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick book club in each episode of this podcast. I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick and in this episode we'll be looking at one of three stories Philip Dick published in 1966 Uh, the first of those was we can remember for you wholesale and that's in the last episode in this one we'll be looking at holy quarrel Now, Holy Quarrel is a story that goes back to some old themes Dick explored in some of his earlier work uh, on the issue of automation and especially automated government and and the surveillance state. And he dealt with this in a lot of interesting ways in novels like Vulcan's Hammer. Uh, There's a short story called The Last of the Masters. There's even a a story he wrote, I think it must have been in the the early 60s, um, called standby which also deals with this idea of of an automated government in which people you know basically create a massive supercomputer to to run society holy quarrel kind of builds off of these themes it's much more focused though on the surveillance state and the you know the, the the nature of the state to observe people and the consequences of of that tendency of state power to observe and collect information. So it's got things to say about big data. It's got things to say about just the overall, you know, surveillance world we live in, you know, whether it's government or employers or private citizens, we're all being watched, right? And we even have this kind of confessional now where people post information on social media. So there's a lot of certainly relevance to stories about surveillance. And I think Dick was, was, um, kind of ahead of his time in the amount of attention he gave to this particular theme. So anyways, I, I, would, I would focus on this story uh, on the theme of big data and, and government surveillance. So where was it published? It was published in Worlds of Tomorrow in May of 1966. And you can find it in the fifth volume of the Collective Stories of, of Philip K. Dick, the one titled Eye of the Sybil Um, It's got also other titles that you might find it under. So I think it's been anthologized in other places as well. Um, But this is a good story, so you should probably check it out. Um, So as always, I'll just go into with these stories. I'll go into the plot and then give some of my thoughts and analysis of it. So we meet an expert computer repairman named Joseph Stafford was woken up by three voices coming from inside the room. And these voices explain that he's needed to fix the military preparation computer genus B, which has apparently improperly identified a threat from all the data it was collecting. Genus B was preparing for war. Stafford was needed to prevent it from declaring a total red alert after processing the massive amount of data it collects and then finding meaningful patterns. This is very similar to what we saw in Vulcan's Hammer, in which the computers would collect all this data and then analyze it and then f- discover threats or dangers and then act on those those threats. Stafford guesses that, that war maybe has already begun, but to prevent the use of a total automated military capacity of the Genus B system, they needed to think that there is peace and this is you know how do you convince a computer that thinks they're at war that there's peace right and so this is about the danger of giving kind of the final the, the right to push the button to to a robot right to a machine um, but then the trick becomes how do you convince a robot that can collect all this data or a computer that can collect all this data that there is a peace when it's convinced that there's a war going on so Stafford is informed that genus B is under a false impression that the country is under attack. They don't even know how the computer formed that conclusion that there is an outside threat, but it's, it's just come to this conclusion. This is actually the inverse of Vulcan's hammer because there you had a threat out there in a, in a mass you know, social movement that was a threat that, that information was being kept from the, the computer. Here it's under the false impression that there's a threat that, that doesn't seem to exist. Genus B is not even targeting traditional expected enemy, and that's the South African True Association. So that's like, I don't know, it's just kind of New Cold War where it's it's kind of the West versus the South African True Association. And so that's the one they're protect, they're expect to go war with, but there's it's targeting different countries. It wants to target Northern California. The datum that alerted Genus B to do this... Anyways, the datum that kind of alerts... Uh, genus B is seemingly very banal. It's it's Herb Souza opened up a penny gumball opened up a penny gumball machines uh, like a, a series of penny gumball machines which have prices, right? So it's a very banal thing. It's just like a, a candy machine and they've been opened around the world, but never before has genus B took an interest in these, but now he's interested in them. Even the ingredients of the gumballs aren't remarkable. So Stafford really wonders if there's something maybe in the artificial flavoring that's alerting genus B that there's a threat. Stafford and the group of genus B engineers consider a theory that the gumballs are actually eggs that would be incubated in the bodies of children after being consumed. This, however, is rejected, and they wonder if the problem is in the prizes then that the machines sometimes give out. And we've seen this before in Dick's work, this idea of a toy being a a dangerous thing. We saw it recently in, in, what's the name of that story, Uh, A Game of Unchance. And we've seen it all the way back to the little movement in some of his early stories. So maybe that's what's going on. Maybe the children will play with these toys and that's going to be the threat, right? But then they, they reject this too. And they just consider that another option could be that Genus B is breaking down. Maybe this is a technological problem. So they try to trick the machine into s- by sending it messages that Sousa uh, has died. Or sold his company or never even existed. So they're trying to convince him that the SUSE, who the computer is thinking is a threat, never existed. And that may get it to back down. The automated defense computer simply concludes that the information is a lie. Now, the total cluster of facts Genus B is collecting convince it that SUSE is alive. The next attempt then to fix this is to convince Genus B that it does not exist. And now, what we see here is very similar to, I think, the story Autofac, where you had people trying to trick a computer, an automated computer, into doing things the way, you know, they, they want them to do it. It's the same kind of game they're playing here. So they're trying to trick it. So they use some basic logic games. And Genus B eventually proves it doesn't exist. Stafford then examines the prizes that the machines hands out. And many are in the shapes of weapons and rockets. And Stafford begins to suspect that these charms are not pure plastic, but they're miniature working replicas. So Stafford wants Sousa brought in for essentially questioning. Um, One of the other workers there wonders what Genius B would say if it was told that Sousa was being brought before it. When they try to do this, the computer again knows the truth. Sousa's alive. He's in Sacramento. And Stafford wants Genus B to clarify who Sousa is. In response, the computer identifies the rich businessman as essentially the devil incarnate. Amazed that a computer would not only reach this conclusion, but seem to believe in the devil, they ask how it came about this knowledge. Genus B replies that it knows Sousa has been creating living things from clay, including itself. On further questioning, Genus B considers the price trinkets creations as well, the kind of mystical, magical devil creations. They conclude that the computer starts to see itself as an agent of divine creation and interprets competing creators as the devil. With this information, they decide that genus B's computers must be dismantled; it's just too much of a threat. Later, Stafford notices that the gumballs seem to be reproducing. The replicating gumballs would cheaply fill up the machines, and that—that's the—they reproduce simply. I think the reason they repro- they reproduce is simply to so people don't have to fill them up again, right? So you create little toys or whatever that can self-replicate, right? Little, I guess, 3D printers. So this just means people don't have to fill these up again. And so it's, it's a business thing. But it, it is kind of creepy and insidious. Um, now, at first, he does nothing with this information, even though he suspects that these gumballs things might be non-terrestrial beings. Maybe there's something even more evil going on there. It's a little ambiguous at the end. But very quickly, however, they start to expand more quickly that they can't be managed and when he estimates um you know basically he starts to see a future in which the world will be overtaken with these with these little little gumballs with prizes um because they've been self-replicated so there really is, was a threat here a threat of uh, a of a creation of alternative creation um a, even almost a different evolution right and then you can go into all the great goo theories you know what's the consequences of self-replicating technology so that that stuff's in this story too so um what to say about holy quarrel well obviously it's another philip k dick warning against automation It, it very much has a theme similar to autofact It has similar themes with some of the the, the idea of a toy or another kind of banal object being a threat to human existence. But really, I'm reminded most of AutoFact in which you had people trying to deal with an automated system that's not responding to human commands to shut down or to follow their orders, Right, where it's so automated that it it can actually begin to reject the orders of of human beings or thinks it's smarter than, than, than humans in order to shut down these systems people use trickery in the same an autofact. The major difference here is that while autofact is is pretty clearly malevolent, genus B is only apparently malevolent. He actually has identified a threat to human survival. Now it may not be what they originally thought, which is like a nuclear war or something. It's it's actually just that these toys are going to continue to self-replicate and maybe they're non-terran, maybe they're aliens. So there really was a threat here and genus B was right. But the other weird aspect of this, though, is Genus's, genus B's realization or, or conception of itself as a divine entity. The fact that this threat seems so banal, right, gumball machines, that the engineers assume the machine is malfunctioning. when well, it's really not. It is actually working quite well. The story whor- holy quarrel imagines a possible security state as well that, that's quite familiar. you know. So as we learned in 19, 2013, the National Security Administration uh, scandal, the, the, the Snowden leaks and all that, we, we learned that the United States government has long supplemented their traditional intelligence and security operations with a massive accumulation of data. Most of this data is stored for free future use or to create large patterns describing connections. That's, that's a, the apparent advantage of big data is it allows computers to put together connections that may not be self-evident. And that's sort of what genus B does genus b is a computer system that takes in all possible information and analyzes all possible patterns its original purpose was to identify threats before they could no longer be avoided unfortunately the genus b was also programmed to be capable of self-defense actions like the autofact the genus b is capable of defending itself from external tampering always initially programming itself for self-defense quote from the story you see we jammed the reel, so so, tamper, we, we, sorry, you see, we jammed the reel so it wouldn't accept any more tape. Before that, we tried erasing the tape. But if the erase circuit comes through and start, it starts an alarm going on in Washington, D.C., and we didn't want to get all those high-level people involved, end quote. So, it has all these redundancies and, and, and systems worked in. And when genus B becomes convinced of external threat, it has the power to implement defenses, which, of course, could mean war. In this case, there's no war, but the genus B is convinced that there is one due to a million separate factors, quote, all possible known data weighed. The dilemma of the operations is to discover what it is that's causing the genus B to determine that the United States is under threat in order to stop the lead up to war. They learned that it was this distribution of gumball machines by a capitalist, Herbert Sousa, is the, they learned that that's what convinced genus B of the threat. Since the genus B had convinced itself of its own divinity. So there's a really interesting theological twist. Pretty common in Dick's later works. You know, it's... It becomes really his trope by the mid-60s is to have a theological twist to these works. It's something that really separates his later works from his earlier ones. And he has this... here, Like Vulcan's Hammer never had this kind of theological aspect to it even though there's lots of commonalities in the story. So... um, so, Genus B convinces itself of his own divinity. Uh, quote, what Sousa had going for him in his gumball machines or what it thinks he's going, he's got going is unsanctioned and therefore demonic, sinful, deserving God's wrath. End quote. This, this is what Genus B determines. The danger of the Genus B system is both its protection through automation from human interference and its capacity to analyze data autonomously. In our world, big data performs this type of analysis in a myriad of often innocuous ways whether it's ads on email programs determining, you know, automatically, you know, what messages you'll be most responsive to. You know, that, and there's a lot of other ways too that this takes place. Even like this could be applied to criminal justice proceedings, right? Like, like collecting data and making connections that the normal detective maybe can't see. You know, you put some data into the computer and then a name pops up, right? And that's the guilty guy. This is actually something to explore it in the unreconstructed M. Another interesting story on automation in this story it turns out that the computer was accurate in its diagnosis of a threat the gumball machi- uh, gumballs from the machines were apparently self-replicating alien life forms or at least self-replicating and no amount of chewing could slow down their exponential growth rate so there's a kind of a joke about chewing at the end too unpacking the religious theme is interesting as well we see that the genus b has taken on the belief that its creators are divine agents like other people or like the people assume that their god is the good one right when it Genus B realizes that Souza is making other living things, actually functioning replicas of weapons and such. It concludes that Sousa, another creator, must be a devil. Right? Uh, my creator is the good one. Right? This is an innovation on Dick's part. I mean, I don't know of any other writer who's done this. Like the idea of a computer thinking it's it's a god. I'm sure it has been done, but it's it's a rather interesting idea. And then as to the association of creation with. Uh, divinity this is the first example that i can think of where dick presented a robot with a religious point of view uh i guess we've seen stories where robots have been given almost divine characteristics like uh the great sea where people in a post-apocalyptic world give to a a machine uh, divine supernatural powers because they don't understand the tech anymore but actually a robot giving itself its own kind of theological standing, becoming a priest. It's really kind of cool with intelligence develop artificial intelligence developing rapidly. You know, perhaps this could be a sign of of computer self-awareness, you know, its own when it starts getting into theological speculation. So that's the, that's the story. Holy quarrel. It's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of interesting things to say about big data, about automation, about theology, about AI. So, you know, have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, there's sure, I'm sure there's a lot more we could say about this story, so please give your own comments about Holy Quarrel if you've read it. Uh, put Make your comments below, or you can send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com. In the next episode, which I'll be uploading shortly, I'll be looking at the final uh, of the three stories Dick published in 1966 called Your Appointment Will Be Yesterday. I don't know how much I'm going to say about this particular story. I don't really care for it that much. It's it'll, So it'll probably be a short um, episode but it's it's essentially very similar to counterclock world uh, it's it's almost like an experiment in counterclock world i almost wouldn't do it because it's so similar to counterclock world and and you know we've we look at that separately but it does it is a little bit different so i'll I'll spend some time just talking about this um i don't like counterclock world i don't like your appointment will be yesterday Uh, i don't mostly because i don't like how the time the backwards time travel or the backwards living really works it seems very inconsistent but anyways i'll say give my thoughts on it i will do it as a separate distinct episode so um, that's that so I'll see you next time with my thoughts on your appointment will be yesterday um, if you have your own comments please write me or leave your comment below and I will I'll see you next time thanks for listening you must search till you find a bluebird. you will find peace and contentment for if you